Zakempe dishes in front, another sliding catch saved by Flurry, this time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity, Lizana sliding, catch save, Robin Lerner, what a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Looking forward to a little hop over to Anaheim for the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow, completing that season series against the Ducks, and then the schedule turns to two more against the St. Louis Blues, two more against the Anaheim, or sorry, uh, the Minnesota Wild, uh, two more against the Arizona Coyotes, uh, two more against the Colorado Avalanche. It's going to be uh, a tough uh, final stretch for the Golden Knights as they play primarily teams that are in or around a playoff spot. Uh, Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman, a couple of uh, line up notes for you. Uh, roster decisions uh, by the Golden Knights and the Henderson Silver Knights. The Golden Knights have reassigned Connor Corrin uh, from the uh, Henderson Silver Knights to the ECHL's Fort Wayne Comets. So uh, Corrin uh, has been assigned there and Mason Primo has been assigned to Fort Wayne and has signed an amateur tryout agreement with the Comets. So uh, that's the uh, latest on that front. On the uh, Golden Knights uh, side of things in the schedule part, a nine-game winning streak at stake tomorrow night. If they win, they establish the longest winning streak in franchise history, and it would be uh, just one-upping for Pete DeBoer. They've had three eight-gamers, and he's been the coach for two of them, and that's that's pretty amazing considering he's been here about a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, again, we, we kind of sit there and, and we go through the numbers for Pete DeBoer. We go through what he's been able to do and, and really where he's been at with the Golden Knights, and you know, I think we t- we take it for granted at times just how good Pete DeBoer has been behind the bench for the Golden Knights and how dominant this team has been in the regular season under head coach Pete DeBoer. Uh, Pete DeBoer spoke today as the team uh, practiced at City National Arena following an off day, two days between games for this team. First time in a while, and we didn't think it was going to happen again, but there's been a shift in the schedule after the Colorado Avalanche were shut down for a second time. And this has really created a a go zone for recovery for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, They play one game. Uh, between Wednesday, uh, a couple of days ago, and next Wednesday. And that is uh, tomorrow night against the Anaheim Ducks. So it's a huge opportunity to recover while still trying to maintain that momentum. And here is Pete DeBoer on the value of this time off. Yeah, I I like, you know, we've been fortunate uh, by others' misfortune in in Colorado of – of having some games rescheduled, which have given us the, the opportunity here over the next week to have some some real time off. And I, I think it's much needed and at the right time. Um, you know, we're going to get an opportunity to, to recharge here and then jump into the last 10-game stretch of the season. So, um, you know, we, uh, we're benefiting from, uh, from some other teams' misfortune. It'll be strange for the players because they've been in such a rhythm uh, going playing every second day and at times having back-to-back games thrown in, so you've got three and four nights. This this break uh, away from the game, I, I think it's probably not going to hit them today or on, on Sunday, but maybe Monday or Tuesday where they have three days between games, it'll go, whoa, 
and and that's when it, it kind of catches up to you where you realize how it's kind of like how tired you you don't realize how tired you really are until you get mm-hmm. that that opportunity to to shut it down yeah 100 percent. and and i think that that's that's you're exactly right like I, I don't know that the Golden Knights right now, and just in terms of the players, are really looking at at these two days as as much of a, a change, much different. But you know, when you when you factor in after tomorrow night's game, it's going to be three days before the Golden Knights play a game. That's probably where it's going to hit them. And you know, in just in terms of you know who's in and out of the lineup right now, and whether or not you can get guys closer to being back by the time you play next Wednesday. It allows for the body to rest. It allows for the body to heal. And right now for the Golden Knights, as they approach that final stretch of the season, uh, rest and, and healing is, is most important in my book, especially with the playoffs clinched. And mentally too, right? As, oh, 100%. As much as, yeah. as much as the physical part? Yeah, I, I think so. I and it's it's interesting because you know they're in such a routine right now. It's 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 the same routine every day or every other day, and I think that at at a at a to a point like that can be good because you just you know exactly what you're going to do. Right now, just the ability to maybe get away from the rink and get away from hockey just to kind of reset everything uh, mentally, I think, is going to be fantastic for this team. Three days. And we'll see whether or not they get uh, another three-day break from the end of the regular season on May 12th and the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm not sure that'll be the case, uh, but I would think that they would get a couple of days uh, for sure. But three days is asking a lot uh, as they try to turn that uh, around, having already surrendered the National Hockey League did anyway. That uh, that gap week uh, that was uh, put into the schedule just in case they had to uh, reschedule some games, and they have. They're almost to 60 reschedule games uh, because uh, uh, it's going to be jam-packed. And once they do return to action uh, following uh, that uh, this little lull in, in the schedule, uh, it starts off with a game against the Colorado Avalanche, and then you've got the, the Blues and the Wild and, and teams that are fighting for a playoff spot in the Arizona Coyotes, and things are about to get a lot more serious and a lot more intense. Uh, here's Pete DeBoer on that front. Well, I, I think I think a little bit of everything. Um, there's, there's an urgency uh, to get your game in the right place uh, for playoffs, which are starting in less than three weeks, probably. Um, th- there's also an urgency in the standings for positioning, you know, whether that's uh, home ice advantage in the first round or second round or all the way through or, or just making the playoffs uh, with some of the races going on. So I think that urgency, you know, is really becoming obvious around the league, you know, over the last 10 games here. And you're starting to see it in the Central Division, that uh, huge game, battle for first place, Carolina and and the Florida Panthers. uh, You had uh, a game involving the top two teams in the North Division, Winnipeg and Toronto, and that's why the intensity of Connor Hellebuck saying, I didn't want to come out of that game in a 3-2 game because of the the stakes that were available. And uh, and normally uh, you wouldn't get that type of uh, pushback from a player uh, disagreeing with his coach, but the games are starting to mean a whole lot more. Colorado wins in their return to the action uh, after their COVID pause and beat the St. Louis Blues and are now within two points of the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. So tomorrow night uh, against the Anaheim Ducks, you have the opportunity to go 7-1 and one against uh, the Ducks this season, which is tremendous. Uh, but also 
so vitally important that you've done all this work to give yourself uh, a cushion for first place that you can't you can't have one of those games like Dallas had this week where you're making the push Dallas Stars into uh, the race again doing a great job and then stubbed their toe or as one of the writers said coughed up a hairball or a hockey ball uh, <laughs> against the uh, the lowly uh, Detroit Red Wings and you wonder oh like how does that happen that's one thing where Vegas has been really uh, strong in is being ready to play against every opponent, re- regardless of the stakes. Yeah, one hundred percent. And for the Golden Knights, it's it's just about taking care of business and and understanding what that means. It, it's going into Anaheim and doing what you need to do to get two points, and then you've got a, a little bit of a break and to to get yourself ready for a, a pretty you know a tough stretch of the season. You look at Colorado, and then you've got a back-to-back against Arizona, and then two against Minnesota. So for the Golden Knights, especially when you consider the 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 Arizona games, though the Golden Knights won, the the physical toll that was that that takes place in in the last two games against Arizona, the chippiness that was involved in those two games, for Vegas, it's it's going to be really important to get a win tomorrow and really set themselves up on the right foot with the positivity going into that stretch of the season where you know they, they want to win games. You want to beat Colorado. You want to beat Arizona. You certainly want to beat Minnesota. Those are things that are in the back of mind for the Golden Knights as they navigate toward Anaheim tomorrow. Uh, if you're wondering about the Avalanche schedule, it's a couple more against the St. Louis Blues tomorrow and then Monday. Uh, before facing the Golden Knights on Wednesday. And after that, it's uh, four in a row against San Jose, L.A. for two, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Actually, they finished with uh, with four uh, against L.A., sandwiched around that game against the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, their schedule is slightly easier uh, when you look at uh, opposition. So the Golden Knights are going to have to really uh, lock in to that game against the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night and then take advantage of some of these games against uh, teams that are trying to make a a playoff push. Uh, I wonder if we'll see the same type of response uh, in return from from this lull and the opportunity to get some rest from the, the Golden Knights as a whole as we saw from Chandler Stevenson when he had to serve the three-game suspension for the high hit against the L.A. Kings, uh, he just he came back, and it was noticeable. And, and not often do you see a player just at a different level of pace uh, than, than the rest of the players on the ice. But when he returned from that three-game uh, rest, uh, he was he was flying out there, and uh, and Pete DeBoer made mention of of Chandler Stevenson today during his availability. Well, to, to Chandler's credit, he made a great impression last year with his versatility and his speed, and you saw the signs of offense. Um, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said uh, you know I, I felt a hundred percent confident he could do what he's doing. We felt. Uh, that he had the the potential to do that. But if you remember back to camp, um, you know, we, we wanted to come in with an open mind on the center position and give everyone an opportunity to compete for, for that ice time. And um, uh, with Staz leaving, we knew there was going to be a hole there. And, you know, we obviously felt Stevie uh, could fill that. But, uh, you know, until you actually go out and grab that job, 
uh, you never know. And, and to his credit, that's exactly what he did. I wonder if there was exhibition games, whether it would have sorted out this way. Uh, and what I mean by that is you get into the preseason and things aren't as intense. Uh, you're working on your own individual game. And do the Golden Knights, if they play two exhibition games, do they play one game with uh, with William Carlson between Max Pacioretty and, and Mark Stone? And do they, do they try Stevenson with Marcia So and Smith or some other uh, configuration with that? Because during the bubble last year, it was Carlson and Pacioretty and Stone. That was the line. Uh, part of the thinking at camp this year without any tune-up games is give yourself all the familiarity that you can. Now, Stone had uh, had played with Stevenson and, and Pacioretty for a time last year, so they were they were uh, uh, used to each other to a certain extent. And Carlson, we know that the uh, the, the history and the bond with, with Riley Smith and Marcia, so goes back uh, to, to year number one. So, those, so you, from uh, hitting the ground running, point of view uh that was the the great decision that pete DeBoer made to give himself the best possible uh just to be able to start at that 60 miles per hour and and it worked it continued on he he hasn't had to there's been one little area uh during the season coming off the tahoe game where they switched up the lines uh and that was for a couple of games then they've gone back uh if you do have preseason games do you talk yourself out of out of that and end up in a different uh, alignment. What do you think? You know, I, I don't know that you talk yourself out of it, but I, I do think that you try some different combinations and you try some different configurations and just see if there's anything that kind of jumps off the page at you, something that you can that you feel confident in and that you can hit the ground running with. And, you know, I, I think that to, to a point, it, it, certainly, it certainly did help the situation that, you know Chandler Stevenson with Patchetti and Stone worked incredibly well last year, and that's some uh, that's a data point that you can kind of fall back on. But you know, without exhibition games, I, I think you lose a little bit of that uh, that willingness or desire to experiment, and you just kind of want to throw the combinations that you think are going to work the best out there. And you know, for the Golden Knights, like they've had opportunities to try different things this year in terms of, of injuries and kind of working through injuries and obviously with Chandler Stevenson's suspension. But the fact of the matter is uh, Chandler Stevenson did exactly what Pete DeBoer said he did. He took that job. He went out there and he has been every bit the top line center that the Golden Knights needed him to be. And it's not been particularly close when he's not in that spot. So you got to give credit to the player for getting that opportunity and absolutely running with it. Do you, uh, do you think William Carlson uh, gets shortchanged with praise? And to the other end, does Chandler Stevenson get uh, more than, than necessarily uh, his point production deserves. Because we talk about Chandler Stevenson a lot, and, and William Carlson is, is kind of there as, as a line. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't feel that way because I, I feel like there's, there's a lot in terms of what William Carlson does and what he brings to the table that's incredibly important. And, and I feel like just in, in terms of me personally, I, I do praise William Carlson for what he does and does 
incredibly well. But I think that, you know, overall, I, I, I can understand that that aspect or I can understand that viewpoint because, you know, with with William Carlson, I think it, everyone just kind of expects him to be as good as he is every single day. And with Chandler Stevenson, because this has kind of come out of nowhere, because it, it's been something that, that I don't think a lot of people expected from Chandler Stevenson, much less expected it to continue, it, it it's it's probably more praise for Chandler Stevenson than than what you would expect or or what you would think for William Carlson. But I mean, at the same time, they're they're very much cut of the same cloth. They're both two guys that got great opportunities here in Vegas, mm-hmm. and they have not relinquished those opportunities. They've taken advantage of them and they have lived up to them. And that's really kind of cool when you look at your top two centers, and it's both guys that had limited roles who took advantage of it and now are bona fide top six NHL center icemen. Yeah, that's a great point that they're very similar in in yeah. how they've been uh, groomed for success with the Golden Knights coming off opportunities elsewhere that uh, that they weren't in the same position, same front line uh, ice time, same front line power play time. And they've both taken advantage of it in huge ways just Carlson's a couple of years ahead uh, to exposure to, to us. But like from a goal-scoring front, Carlson had that amazing uh, first year, and he's he's going to settle in to be around a 25-goal score uh, for, yeah. for his career, and that's certainly where his numbers are right now. Chandler Stevenson, can he become a 25-goal scorer? I don't think that was that was the expectation when, when the Golden Knights acquired him from the Washington Capitals for a fifth-round pick. Uh, could he be a 20-goal scorer? Mm, I'm not even sure that was the expectation for, for Chandler Stevenson. But he's got the opportunity because of uh, the cap situation and having to make decisions with the center ice slot with the Golden Knights that he's he's developed some chemistry and with Pacioretty and Stone, and he's growing into that. Now, the re- reason why he stayed from the start of the season with Pacioretty and Stone was because the two wingers got off to career starts and are having mm-hmm. career seasons right now. It took a while for Stevenson's production to start mirroring that of his line mates, but it's there now. Yeah, I, I think so. And, it, you know, it's interesting because Chandler Stevenson has played exactly 82 regular season games for the Golden Knights. Oh, and really? His numbers are, yeah, 18 goals, 30 assists, 48 points. And, and, and like... I I feel like that that based on what I'm seeing right now like that that sounds about right to me like you know 20 30 and and 50 points in an 82 game season that's kind of where I can see Chandler Stevenson being it, with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty for a little while I'd like to see him get up above 20 goals I I really would with the opportunities that he creates for himself and maybe a couple of things go shorthanded and uh, and he knocks them in on the power play. I would like to be able to to say that the 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 first line center has a, has a twenty goal campaign, uh, and and he he has certainly uh, upped the chances uh, that I would give him uh, this season, because it's not just riding shotgun with with Pacioretty and Stone. the uh, The number of looks that he will create just based on his own speed and his yeah. instincts of the game 
puts him in a position where he should be able to knock on that 20 to 25 goal range. I don't, he's, let, let me phrase it another way. He's put himself in a position where the bar has been raised, uh, where we expect more from Chandler Stevenson. And what we're seeing now isn't just a bonus uh, to, to the production. No, I, I think, I think you're right. I, I think that right now where he is, this is the baseline, right? Like yeah. what what was above expectations before is now his baseline, and it's up to the player. It's up to Chandler Stevenson to continue to evolve his game, continue to get better, and then then surpass what his baseline is. And, and that's really what you're looking for from players. You're looking for them to continually up that bar of what you expect. And then when you expect them to be at a certain level, just raise that bar one more notch and one more notch and one more notch. The, the playoffs will be uh, really fascinating to watch on the Chandler-Stevenson front because the, we know that Stone and Pacioretty have to score goals. They do. Yes. Uh, Marcheseau has to chip in offensively. You'd love to see Riley Smith get the confidence back to chip in uh, offensively. Can Alex Tuck uh, continue his marvelous run? But but Stevenson also now has to be a guy that that doesn't go out there and create chances for the other two. But he's got to put a few in. And if there's going to be a long run for the for the Vegas Golden Knights, you can't have that 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 lull where. Uh, Pete DeBoer is looking at uh, at changing up the the lines in the center iceman. He has to put together a consistent performance and with consistent production uh, at the at the time when it matters the most. When you're playing the, that top opposition every single night, and uh, I've been impressed with what he's done. I think he's earned the contract. Uh, I think it's a value contract uh, too uh, for for both the team and and the player. But yeah. what what happens in three weeks is is going to tell us uh, a lot more about where Chandler Stevenson is in his development and his evolution. I think Stone and Pacioretty, uh we know that nothing happens without them. Nothing mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Stevenson has that X factor, like Alex Tuck, where uh, you you don't just hope you get production you need production from that slot yeah i agree 100 percent. and it's it's it says a lot about chandler stevenson and what he's done this year that now he is among that group of guys where you look to them and you expect and need their offense but that's where he is and that's what he's he's done for himself this year but you know you're absolutely right when when everything tightens up and and you've got teams that are game planning specifically to shut your line down then you're going to have to figure out ways to to continue to be productive in the postseason and you know when you you look at the speed that Chandler Stevenson has you look at just kind of the amount of breakaways that he gets within uh, within three four five game stretches like those goals that he's able to score this year they're gonna have to continue to fall in the playoffs for the Golden Knights to be the team that they want to be Top two centers. Stevenson has ten goals. Carlson has eleven. You would like to see that just a little bit higher, just a yeah. touch higher, 
Uh, and we've seen some some strong play uh, from William Carlson. I expect that to go a lot higher tomorrow against Anaheim because nobody <laughs> likes playing the Anaheim Ducks more than William Carlson. Uh, that uh, that's the no, the no doubter. So we'll see we'll see what happens um, next week. I'd like to get into at some point who your your most important players are, maybe from a, a forward defense. Uh, position, and I'll give you three choices on that. And by most important, I mean not talking Stone and Pacioretty, but guys that can swing the pendulum a little bit yeah. and have that potential. I'm thinking a, a Yanmark, uh, a Stevenson uh, in that regard, um, maybe a Riley Smith uh, finding it. Uh, so uh, just a couple of names uh, thrown out there. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, one-timers, uh, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Uh, update you on a couple of things happening on the ice tonight and a couple of things on the way over the course of the next few days. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. On to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Vegas taking on the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow night in SoCal, Honda Center. Final game of the year, and it's the Golden Knights trying to extend their winning streak to nine games. But if they can win tomorrow night, the Golden Knights will also rattle off a fifth straight win on the road, which would be a franchise record. So win tomorrow night, and you set a couple of franchise highs uh, for the Golden Knights. Keep an eye on that as they try to take uh, seven of eight games in the head-to-head series with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, the, the other part of uh, what's happened lately is the they've been able to score so many goals, Ryan, that mm-hmm. the ice time has been really balanced, and the top-end guys have been low. Like the other night, the top ice time was 22.5 uh, on yeah. the Golden Knights. Pete DeBoer and, and Steve Spott, Ryan McGill, Ryan Craig, have been able to keep ice time uh, to a manageable level uh, to to help even uh, exaggerate what what the rest that they're going to get over the next few days. We've talked about that at various points this season about you know not necessarily game management in terms of resting players and not having them play, but game management in going out, take care of what you need to do within the game so that you don't have to push late into a third period or push hard into a third period by double shifting your bet your top guys if you can keep those minutes manageable game in and game out then you gain a lot in terms of just wear and tear that you're saving on the body we've talked at length about chandler stevenson being such a great acquisition by kelly mccrimmon uh we've uh we're so excited about Matthias Janmark because he's, he's, his hockey sense is uh, well beyond what I realized, uh, and yeah. but his, and his speed is, is even there. But is, is one of the best moves that this franchise has made over the four years Alec Martinez? I think so. I mean, like, I, I admittedly, I'm somebody that when that deal was made, I said that's going to be fantastic for the Golden Knights. Because Alec Martinez is just one of those guys that plays the game the right way and and is so responsible. And, you know, the the interesting thing for me when it comes to Alec Martinez is that no matter where he's played, he always seems to be able to play with 
the best, most talented defenseman on a team and not miss a beat and really bring out something in those guys. Like you look at Drew Doughty as his partner. Uh, you look at what he's what he meant to Shea Theodore last year. You look at where he's at right now with Alex Petrangelo. There's something about Alec Martinez that brings out the best in elite defensive partners. Yeah, and the term that, that he had left on that contract uh, when he was acquired from the Los Angeles Kings being the second year, just uh, just allowed him to grow so much more. He said he said two of the most strange seasons ever with a team. Right? He's he's basically never had the the Las Vegas experience because he came over at the trade deadline last year. Then there was a shutdown, and then uh, the bubble, and now it's it's been shut down. So he's he'll he'll be able to look back at his career and say, I played a couple of years in Vegas, and never never saw the script. <laughs> never never saw anything that goes along. Uh, with with playing in Las Vegas and, and what we what we think of, uh, of of living life here and what the world thinks about uh, living here, uh, Dylan Secura. Here's a little bit of uh, trivia for you. Mm-hmm. He made his Vegas Golden Knights debut the other night. The yep. 60th player in franchise history to wear the shield. Really? Yeah. In four years, huh. that I don't know, I don't know whether that number is right on par. It seems low that you would mm-hmm. uh, have 60 different players over the course of, of, of four years. I I feel like that's kind of where I'm at. I, I think that yeah. 60 in four years is low considering, you know, expansion, considering that you, you typically you, you kind of have more turnover. You're trying to figure out exactly what an identity is. But I, I think that kind of speaks to the Golden Knights, right, in, in a team that – that established it that established an identity early and they've really done a good job building their roster to to get players that fit that identity and fit it to a point where you don't really need more turnover uh, i'm curious I'll, I'll have to do some digging in on that uh, to see how it compares to previous expansion teams and the number of players going through like i, I would i'm trying to go through my brain in columbus uh certainly had would have had more than 60 players uh, during the, the course of their first four franchises, uh, franchise years. Uh, Florida Panthers went to a Stanley Cup final in their third year, so maybe it might be around the same line. But uh, but 60 players. Uh, Dylan Secure, the 60th player to ever wear the shield uh, with the Golden Knights. Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich have each recorded their 20th goals of the season tonight for the New York yes. Rangers. Uh, yes. That's uh, the first time that two players have tallied at least 20 goals within the first 48 games of uh, the New York Rangers since 06-07. How about these names? Martin Straka and okay. Brendan Shanahan. Wow. The two players that uh, that last scored. The last time the New York Rangers had two players score uh, at least 20 goals in the first 48 games. It's good company. I uh, want to know why the Philadelphia Flyers uh, fell out of the race. Why is that? Uh, the Flyers have been outscored in the first period 42-18 since the start of March. That's, yeah, that's what rough. you call chasing the game a whole bunch. Yeah, that's rough. Wow. 42-18 in the first period in in, in the I last mean, month and a half. That's crazy. You, you can't establish anything. No, you just have to play from behind all the time. 
uh, ridiculous. And some of that's on on the goaltending, and I guess it's uh, some of it's on the on the coaching staff too. That that a team is just completely being outplayed uh, to start. Uh, do you follow the Stanley Cup on on Twitter at Stanley Cup? I do. Uh, yeah, I do. Do you, do you have your little laptop or your iPad or whatever you use, your tablet uh, there? I've got multiple multiple devices going oh, right you, now. Oh, you, you, are, you are a genius uh, when it comes oh, to technology. On. You are. Uh, so oh, yeah. pull, up, uh, pull up a Stanley Cup and, and take a look at this, this tweet that the account Stanley Cup uh, put out. And it was uh, a retweet uh, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. See it? Yep. Tell me what it's the Stanley Cup with the Lombardi Trophy, and yes. then the American League Championship Trophy. I don't know what that one's yes. called. What's the other trophy there? It's it's, um, four, it's four beautiful trophies uh, on the bay in, in in Tampa. I don't know what yeah, the other I'll trophy be, is. I'll be real honest. Uh, I'm trying to read. <laughs> I'm trying to read the block letters on the trophy. And I've legitimately got nothing. Is it soccer? Uh, I don't think they have an MLS. I feel in like there. it is. No, I feel like it. Uh, they Chapman, they have a soccer. they have a USL team called the Tampa Bay Rowdies, but they lost in the finals. So I'm I'm not quite sure what that trophy is yeah, either. No, this is this is Eastern something. Is this is this for like a conference championship? No, Jack? maybe, 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 maybe the like the soccer because Eastern I conference. Can, might be that I can pick up. I can pick up an S and an L in in the block letter. So I'm I'm assuming it's USL. But what what jumps out at me from this picture of the Stanley Cup? <laughs> yeah, it looks Lombardi like it trophy. is from the uh, USL. So United you're, Soccer League. So you're going back on that, right? Well, that's that's what it, that's what it is. <laughs> it's it's the conference championship trophy from the. Uh, okay, so we USL. got a soccer trophy. We've got uh, American League championship trophy. Uh, we've got the Lombardi yeah. trophy, and we've got the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. in a beautiful setting here. Yes. Like, does it not just reinforce how beautiful the Stanley Cup is, and how it is the greatest trophy in sports? It it's not even close. Yeah, it's uh, it's not even close. I looked at that and went, we have we have the greatest hardware ever. I, I, if, if, if the Stanley Cup was the championship <laughs> trophy of the NBA, I would be so jealous going yeah. that they, they, they have that. And uh, well, how I, about how about the tweet from the Stanley Cup? It's so good. He quotes he quote tweets it and says, Nothing like spending quality time with my Little cousins, <laughs> and that's that's exactly what it looks like. It, it does. Is, it is this majestic trophy that towers above the rest, and then you know, like some cool trophies or whatever. But it's not the Stanley Cup, and it, yeah, it, totally. It's just uh, I I hope I hope that uh, that the city of uh, Las Vegas, Las Vegas Valley, gets a chance to to celebrate with that uh, with that trophy. There's I can't think of a better party or a parade. Than, than, than just driving down uh, the strip with something like that. With uh, just it gives me goosebumps. I uh, don't want to get too ahead of myself uh, because the the reigning Western Conference champions are making a push for a playoff spot in the Central Division in the Dallas Stars. They didn't play great the other night against uh, Detroit, but they have two yeah. more games against the Red Wings coming up, and then they go on the road for their final seven. 
So that's going to okay. be the challenge for the Dallas Stars, yeah. who are within reach. Here's the big plus. Tyler Sagan is practicing mm-hmm. with the team. Hasn't played at all yep. this year after having uh, the hip procedure, but he is is zeroing in on a spot. They won't give a timeline. They won't say this is going to be the day or we expect uh, it to be in this series. But Rick Bonus uh, has acknowledged that Tyler Sagan is on his way back to the lineup at some point before the end of this regular season. Uh, if if Tyler Sagan is in the lineup, are they a legitimate upset candidate, uh, a team that can pull off a shocker in the first round of that Central against a Florida, Tampa, or Carolina? The the no, they're not. And, no way. And, and that's that's not that's not anything against Tyler Sagan. I, I just I think that when I look at Carolina, Florida, Tampa, like whoever ends up finishing first, and right now I kind of have the feeling that it's going to be Carolina. Um, ask me again in a week, and I'll probably have a different answer for you. But for for me, Dallas, like it has been such a grind just to get here. You you aren't getting Ben Bishop back for the playoffs. You're not getting Alexander Radulov back for the playoffs. Like I just. I don't see them being a team that's going to be able to do any damage. And, and that's not anything bad against Dallas. I, I'd say the same thing about Nashville and the same thing about, uh, about Chicago. Like, I just don't think that whatever team finishes in that spot, I don't think they're going to be enough to get out of the first round against whoever it is number one in that division. I look at Dallas differently than I do Chicago and Nashville. I I do too. I just don't think that they're. I just don't think that there there's a team of those three that that I I put in the same realm as Carolina, Florida, or Tampa. They just those three teams have been so much better all year long. So this uh, little note uh, comes courtesy of my conversation with Sam Bennett uh, today for the chirp next week. I asked him uh, if he's an ocean guy because he's going from Calgary over to mm-hmm. uh, Miami. And yep. playing for the Panthers, he's like, "Oh yeah, the the most excitement that uh, that he displayed in our entire conversation was all about the ocean." And I said, "So have you gone down? <laughs> have you gone down to the beach?" He's been there uh, for a week or so, and he's like, "Yep, a few times." And uh, he went down to the beach the other day, tarp off, went in the water. He, he says like bath water, and just just kind of like soaked it all in. So yeah. then the the next question, you know, is selfie or anything back to the boys in calgary <laughs> yes. he, he's absolutely little snapchat uh throw it back and the day that he, he did it was a day that they got a couple of inches snow in in calgary and <laughs> and and he's he's gearing up for a playoff run with the florida panthers bobbing in the ocean uh, enjoying south beach and socially distanced, of course, and and the sure. Calgary Flames are suffering through the end of their season, the misery, and and dealing with with a, a spring snowfall. So I thought that was that was pretty funny. Just on uh, on a player getting comfortable in his new surroundings by just going taking the tarp off and uh, jumping in the ocean. Uh, looking forward to this one. Congratulations to Zdeno Chara, who will play, and this plays off of uh, of what we saw this week with Patrick Marlowe playing his uh, 1,768th game uh, on Monday, 1,769th game on Wednesday, 900th straight game on Wednesday. Uh, Zidane Chara is going to play in his 1,600th game 
in the National Hockey League tomorrow when the Capitals take on the New York Islanders. That's not fitting. Uh, it's the New York Islanders who drafted him. And uh, the great quote from, from Big Z was, I was the kind of guy who wasn't supposed to make it first and foremost. And he's, he's right. Like when he played in the Prince George Cougars organization in the Western Hockey League, uh, he was looked at as one of those, like, not like he was like a, a hockey freak. He was so big yeah. that they had to alter the, the size of the pants and, like, put two sets of pants together, and the sweater had to be extended. Like, nobody had ever played at his size. And the different kind of modifications they had to do to equipment was, was really shocking. And now yeah. we have guys that size on, on, like, scattered throughout the league. Yeah, it, you're you're absolutely right, and it's it's a testament to to Zdeno Chara, who just uh, worked and got himself to the point where not only did he make it, but he was a captain of the Boston Bruins for a long time. Boston, by the way, losing to Buffalo, just FYI. Um, but Zdeno Chara is awesome. Like I, I love watching the guy play, and uh, it's it's a testament to him, his work ethic, and and his ability to play at this level for a long, long time. He's a guy I root for. When I watch a game, oh, yeah. I root for him. Just He's such a, a nice person, a great human, and a fierce competitor. Like, yeah. mean. He can get mean. He can get uh, downright intense. Uh, doesn't get dirty very often, but he can, he can go there if you want. Uh, I, I really like uh, watching Big Z. Those are your one-timers for this Friday, April 2nd. On Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. How big of a challenge has this season been for the Buffalo Sabres? Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets are really struggling down the stretch, and they lost again last night. Elvis Merzlikens was at the podium at the Zoom press conference afterwards, and uh, he was he was like, uh, passionate about it and said, uh, I don't want this to turn into a Buffalo. I don't want to... Like now Buffalo is becoming uh, <laughs> the, the example of everybody. I don't want to. I don't want to be them. Uh, we can't let this get to that stage. Uh, I thought that was uh, that was interesting. As the the Columbus Blue Jackets have uh, really slid, they're now behind the Detroit Red Wings in that Central Division. Uh, Darren Millard, along with Ryan Wallace, and as we catch up with Chris Chapman. Yeah, the punchline should be New Jersey because despite Buffalo not winning for 18 straight games, they're only a point behind the Devils if they win tonight, which is, well, that says a lot about how bad the Devils have been lately. But, uh, by the way, yesterday we talked about Todd Stottlemyre. He did play at UNLV, so there is a oh, connection. He yeah, he, he was there, I believe, in the 80s. I think he was the second or third overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft by the Blue Jays and uh, helped them win a World Series. His father, of course, Mel, the great pitching coach, I believe he was with the Yankees for a very long time. One but. of the greatest speeches after a world championship when you do the big rally ever. Uh, he told the uh, the mayor of Philadelphia, because they beat uh, Mitch Williams, Joe Carter, oh, big yeah. home run. He told the mayor of Philadelphia to kiss his butt. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't say kiss his butt. And uh, uh, it, it it was fabulous. Yeah. I think I think he might have been half hammered. Mitch Williams, a.k.a. Wild Thing. He yep. was not very good in that World Series against the Blue Jays. But nonetheless, I did something yesterday for the first time I had not done in a very, very, very long time. Went Played out the to... quiet game? No, no, oh. of course not. <laughs> went out to lunch with some friends. We actually went to a restaurant. I had not been in a restaurant or diner or anything like that in Las really? Vegas for, for a meal in over a year. How was it? 
it was it was great. It was good seeing my friends. I it, it had been a while since I'd seen them, and uh, you know it was it was great. had had some burgers and shakes, and it was the first time that I'd seen those guys, and first time I'd been out to eat in in a long time. I felt very comfortable. The place was uh, spaced out. There there were a few people in there, so it, it was pretty good. And uh, I'm going to be doing it again this weekend with another friend. So it's nice to be vaccinated and really not having to worry too much about. I mean, obviously the risk is still there, but. You know, feeling a little more comfortable and getting back to normal and, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll all start to start to do those things in a, in a couple more weeks as we get ready to open the county back up in, uh, what is it, May 1st, I think, the restrictions ease again in Clark County. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see where we go with uh, with attendance at T-Mobile if, uh, if 3950 turns into uh, a few more uh, people in the in the building. Uh, they've got uh, 5,000 in St. Louis, 5,000 in uh Arizona, so that's uh, that's positive. They got ten uh, percent in Anaheim. I bet you those fans are really happy to see the Golden Knights coming back after being throttled last weekend. The first two times that the, they had fans in the building, uh, Golden Knights against the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow. A uh, note: the pregame show starts tomorrow on the VGK Radio Network at five o'clock. Uh, puck drops just after six, and uh, then the Golden Knights aiming for a nine-game winning streak. Thanks for being with us. Be safe, everybody.